freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to another episode of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearms.com your nationwide hometown gun shop i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan todd we're doing a series called american talking about the can-do spirit that is part of our American DNA. Absolutely. Our lives have been just completely upended and turned upside down uh, by this whole COVID-19 coronavirus situation. And we're hearing a lot about all the things we can't do and the places that we can't go. But we're talking with experts in their field about all the things that we still can do. We can still learn and grow, train and connect and expand our freedoms in ways that maybe we haven't even thought about before. Well, today our guest is Frank Miniter. Frank is an author and investigative journalist with a penchant for outdoor adventure. Frank is the editor-in-chief of NRA's America's First Freedom. He's a frequent guest on all the major news media outlets, a field editor for NRA's American Hunter, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Ultimate Man's Survival Guide, Recovering the Lost Art of Manhood. And Minotaur's other books include The Politically Incorrect Guide to Hunting, Saving the Bill of Rights, and The Future of the Gun. Welcome back to the show, Frank. I'm so glad to have you back on. Hey, thanks for having me here again. Absolutely. So I love the titles of these books, and I think we just need a whole lot more of this kind of stuff because I think we get ourselves so backed into these <clears throat> politically correct corners all the time uh, that I, it's refreshing that uh, a book that's a bunch of books that are so recent um, that you've, you've purposely gone off the beaten path. Well, I don't like to think of it as the, the unbeaten path because it's, it's actually what mainstream America does and thinks about. We do have a code uh, in this country. There are more than 100 million gun owners, as you know, uh, across this great nation. I don't think the mainstream, the mainstream media quite gets America and who we are. And I think that's why they're dying. Mm. And why magazines like America's First Freedom is doing well and why my books resonate and sell pretty well. Absolutely. And, you know, we're not too far from Father's Day. So I, I do want people to kind of take note of uh, some of these books. I think they might be some awesome gifts for Father's Day. But um, diving into our questions, learning more about taking control of our lives and our rights is such a great way to empower people anytime, but especially when so much of our lives have been taken out of our control. Uh, and one side says that freedom itself is under attack. 
The other side says, well, we're just fear-mongering so that we can, and these are air quotes, sell more guns. If we don't even know if the public in general, if the citizenry in general does not even know what the founding principles of our nation are, how do people possibly sort out the noise from the truth? When it comes to guns, what I tell people is, especially if you know somebody who, who owns guns or shoots, a lot of people don't, you can find a class through, through the NRA and other groups uh, to go learn how to shoot, but go to your local gun ranges. Hopefully someone can take you there and walk you through it. And if someone hasn't experienced that before, as, as we both know, they're gonna walk in to a very structured, positive atmosphere uh, with gun safety officers keeping you safe and making sure you follow the NRA rules of gun safety, which they will gladly show you to do it. If not, they will kick you off that range. But not that it's a negative thing, it's a very positive thing. And you'll look around and you'll see people shooting and they'll miss and they'll hit. When they hit, they're very happy about it. When they miss, they wanna know why and someone usually is gonna tell them why. Um, it's, it's a positive, beautiful learning experience. and it's, it's an expression of our real freedom. And then when that person actually steps up and shoots skeet or shoots steel, um, and they, they make that hit, they're, gonna, they're just gonna feel empowered and feel, wow, I just did that. I controlled uh, this wonderful device that's there to save my life, you know? Um, and I made that hit. I did that through that, uh, man or woman. Uh, women actually tend to outshoot men in my experience. Um, <laughs> man or woman, this is, this is how it is. So it's an empowering, beautiful experience that it establishes who you are as American and who you always have been. It's not what the mainstream media says it is, gun ownership and use and so on. It isn't. It's a positive thing. It's an empowering thing. It's an important thing uh, if we are to stay free Americans. We've seen a lot of new gun buyers, and you know, a lot of them hadn't realized it that they 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 needed a gun, that they needed to be able to protect themselves, and they're seeing that we're losing a lot of our freedom right now. Right when they go to uh, you know take their purchase home with them, like they do every other purchase that they walk into a store and make, suddenly they realize, oh, wait, there's, there's a whole bunch of hoops to jump through and, and delays. And, you know, I'm a responsible person. What do you mean you got to check my background? Right. Well, suddenly it's a whole different world when it affects that particular individual. So, um, so I love the I idea. I New York, and I'm, I'm pretty well known on this topic. So I've had a bunch of neighbors who refused to own guns before come to me and say, what's the process? What do I do? And as I start to walk them through the process, they're shocked. You know, I have to go through this background check. I mean, I have to go and, and learn this stuff. I have to take this course, maybe. I mean, not that you do in New York, but uh, you really should. You have to learn all these skills in order to use this freedom. I, all this, this stuff I have to go through, the federal bureaucracy, this, this taxes I have to pay, and all this stuff I have to do. I can't believe it. This is in the way of our freedom. Just I'm a normal law-abiding person. Yet I have to do all of this? Yes, you certainly do. Um, they're, they're surprised by what's already there. Um, you know, some of it we call legitimate and others we look at it and go, wait a second, they're infringing so much on our right, they're actually taking away our right. What do you think the reason why so many new people are wanting to buy guns now, Frank? Well, they're scared. Um, you, that is true. There, there is a fear factor involved uh, in this kind of thing. You, you find yourself in, in this COVID-19 running around out there and possible societal breakdown happening around us. Um, a lot of police officers have, have also gotten this. There was that a special fear that happened in March and April, um, and it's still relevant today, um, where people, wait a second, I'm insecure, I have to take care of myself until police arrive, I have to protect myself and my loved ones until the police can get here. The response times on an officer could be 10 minutes, it could be less, it could be a lot more, depending where you live. 
a lot can happen in those few minutes till the police arrive. People realize that and they realize, wait a second, I have to take that responsibility myself. And that's a maturing grow up kind of experience. If you go through that process and do that correctly, they're finding, wait a second, I'm entering into a new thing. It's growing me up in a certain way. I have to take responsibility in this way and responsibility for that firearm, which, which is what we do. And you know, I carry concealed and you carry concealed as anyone does. Um, you're taking a certain responsibility and you're walking with that responsibility, as you know, everywhere you go. And when they start to enter that culture, they need to start to understand what gun safety actually is. So true. Kind of, uh, it's kind of like in your book, recovering the lost art of manhood so that we take responsibility for ourselves instead of letting somebody else do it for us. That's the art of manhood to me, mm-hmm. taking responsibility. Yeah, and womanhood. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Personhood, right? Right. Um, no, I, I, I agree with that 100%. So, Frank, <clears throat> the Second Amendment is not, it is not, and we have to say this so many times, it is not a political issue. It's part of our Bill of Rights in this big, huge, thick document called the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that too few of us read. This one I'm holding in my hand is all of uh, 40-some pages long. We all have time now. Let's read it, right? Um, so the Second Amendment is part of our Bill of Rights. It's not political, but it's been made political by politicians, especially in the upcoming 2020 election with every one of the Democratic presidential hopefuls trying to out anti-gun one another. And now Joe Biden appears to be the best they have for the Democratic presidential bid. For people who value their Second Amendment rights, is there any way that you see that they could vote for Biden and not lose their constitutionally protected rights to keep and bear arms? It's not possible. His official platform, and he said this over and over again, is to take our guns away and not just our semi-automatic, what we call assault weapons, or he might say AR-14s, right? Um, you know, yeah, Bless his heart. You know, um, this is what he does. Um, it, it is outwardly to take that away. He already said that Beto O'Rourke of, hell yes, we're going to take your F-15 O'Rourke, uh, would be his, his gun guy, his gun control czar, or whatever he wants to call him, to go out there and take away our freedom and our rights. Uh, Biden has even said he wants to move us towards only having smart guns in this country, which means it's a gun that doesn't exist now. It's some technology that hasn't been proven to work, to take away every firearm we have now, every all these wonderfully working firearms we have, all the varieties and types, but outlaw them all to give us some futuristic thing the government could control. It's, it's craziness, but that's where Biden is. He's so far out there. Um, he would also give us Supreme Court nominees who would be anti-Second Amendment, who would like to repeal the Second Amendment. People forget that the Heller and the McDonald decision were both five, four decisions, just, just a decade and over, about a decade ago. Um, if you read the, the minority opinions, the, the four judges on, on both of those uh, decisions, it's clear they're saying it outright that they want to take away this right. So if they're given a fifth vote on the Supreme Court, and there's a lot of cases now being considered to be taken up by the Supreme Court on the Second Amendment, if they're given one more vote on that court, they will not only rule against us, they will rule against the Second Amendment and actually <clears throat> take the Second Amendment right out of the U.S. Constitution. So our, our rights are completely on the table this November. Well, you know, I know we've interviewed a lot of Democrats, and there's a lot of Democrats that like firearms. And they're kind of in a hard spot right now because if they vote for Biden, they're going to lose their rights. But if they vote for Trump, then they're not Democrats no more. (laughs) So, So 
or are just not vote at all. But that's a scary situation because like for us, there are some things and I'm some things that Democrats are okay with, but my rights are the most important thing to me. And so I'm going to vote because of my rights. I'm going to vote to keep my rights and I'll sort that other stuff out later. But it'd be hard to be a Democrat right now if you like guns. Yeah, I, I would well, think. Go ahead, Frank. No, look, I, I'm the editor-in-chief of the NRA's political magazine, right? America's First Freedom. This is, this is what I do, right? Um, people don't realize this enough, um, and I'm sure you guys do, but it's a nonpartisan organization. We fight for a civil liberty, for our Second Amendment. Um, there, are, there are Democrats who are pro-gun. Not mm -hmm. as many today as there was a decade and more than a decade ago, especially nationally, and certainly not Biden's ticket as, as we see it coming together. Um, but there are. This is a nonpartisan issue. But, it, but if you're a Democrat who's, who's on the fence, and, and that, you have to understand, you're, you're voting away your freedom if you vote for Biden. It, it's just, if you believe in the Second Amendment, that's it's just true. So they're, they're all going to have to make that personal decision. But that's it's a pretty basic fact today. Uh, even Obama tried to hide that many times, saying, oh, I'm pro-Second Amendment, even though he wasn't. Biden isn't saying that. Biden is telling us he's going to take away your rights. Absolutely. Well, here in Arizona, we have um, Mark Kelly, who is Gabby Gifford's husband, and he is, you know, running for office. And all of a sudden, uh, after all this COVID stuff started, he got real quiet about his stance on Second Amendment rights. And so that's something that we're going to have to be extra wary of as we decide how and who we're going to vote for is just because they're not shouting it from the rooftops doesn't mean that some candidates aren't. There was um, one of the ladies from The View, what was her name? Um, I don't watch the show, but you see the headlines. Um, she had said, you know, why don't the people running for office just keep it to themselves how they feel about guns and then wait till they're in office and then make the laws? And it's like, well, a lot of them already do, but I think that Mark Kelly is one that's going to actively um, purposely take that route. Well, if I were running against Kelly right now, I'd be taking his book that he came out with, what, what about seven or eight years ago, and I'd be reading from it in front of the news cameras because he says everything against Second Amendment. It's a very skewed, very uncomfortable book to read based on frivolous sources and weird, uh, you know, his own from research coming from every town and so on. I'm um, not a balanced look at it. You know, he always says, I own guns, but not, not, I mean, okay, fine. Maybe he does own guns. I don't know. But if you look at his views on that issue, it's right there in that book. He's completely against our right to bear arms. I look at that when a politician says, I own guns, and then they say, but that to me is they're lying. They're, it's, it's just right. Anything that comes out of their mouth from that moment on is a lie. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, the butt undoes the second, all of the first half what, of the sentence. Where does the Second Amendment say butt in there anywhere? I don't think it has <laughs> any butts at all. So. Oh, man. Well, and, and speaking of our Bill of Rights, it is confusing to people. And right, I think rightfully so. But that, I think, lends itself to say, well, let's educate ourselves. Let's stop letting other people interpret for us all the time what our Constitution and our Bill of Rights is are all about um but it's confusing for people to understand how the bill of rights protects the second amendment yet and that is a federal document yet at various states in various states they're trampling these rights so you wrote an article recently uh, titled bearers barriers to freedom where you talk about this tension between that federal and states rights 
Can you speak to the premise of your article and specifically the ideas behind something called federal reciprocity legislation? Yeah, well, it's important to understand the history here for people because the, the Bill of Rights were restrictions on federal government from the start. It didn't restrict state and local governments until after uh, the 14th Amendment due process clause. The Supreme Court picked that up in the early 20th century and said, okay, some of these rights can be incorporated and also apply to state and local governments. And they started with the First Amendment. It wasn't until 2008 in the Heller decision, the Supreme Court finally said, wait a second, the Second Amendment is also incorporated and applies as a restriction on state and local governments. So they also can't take away your rights. So there's been that, that history. This is actually a negative liberty. Um, sounds like a negative thing to say, but that's what it is. It's a restriction on government. It's not a positive right with the government giving you a right that it's trying to enforce. That puts the government in charge of your rights. This is the opposite. This puts us in charge of our government. It's a restriction on government from the beginning. So we now that we've incorporated that right, we're in this unique period where this hasn't, this should have happened over a century ago, but it didn't because people just look at the Second Amendment and goes, I know what that means. That means you have the right to bear arms, like it says. It took a lot of obfuscation through the 20th century where finally the court said, we have to, we have to step in have to do something about this. So it's, it's only uh, about 12 years ago that the Heller decision happened and then the McDonald decision happened, which incorporated it in 2010. So it's been a decade, and for a decade, the Supreme Court's been pretty silent on this. But we're still in this very important piece of his historical context for this because they, the Supreme Court has to step back in with lower courts, making decisions all over the place, still taking our rights away in various places in California, New York, with May issue laws and this kinds of thing, where they can just take these freedoms from us to the other will um, as, as much as they like. So those things have to come before the court sooner or later, but the Supreme Court keeps passing on these decisions. But right now there are more than 10 cases looking for cert, looking for the Supreme Court to take them that are very clear um, restrictions on our freedom that they should not be allowed to do according to the, to the court as it stands now. So as I look at the court, I, I look at Robert says that linchpin, will he accept this case or not? He's been the one, he, he voted with us in Heller and McDonald, but he seems to be the one most reluctant to take it up. Um, the late Justice Antonin Scalia got pretty ticked off when they didn't pick up some Second Amendment cases. Um, Clarence Thomas also has, um, in loud, very loud dissents, been angry when they didn't pick up certain cases. Uh, there were very clear infringements on our freedom. So, but it's coming. And you listen to historians that tell you they have to pick up another case soon. It's too long. There are too many lower courts and major disagreements. The Supreme Court has to rectify. How many more Supreme Court justice would we have to have that's in favor of the Second Amendment to make some of these bills happen immediately? Uh, all, it, all it takes is them to pick up a case and not drop it as moot like they just did the New York City case. But we, have still some, a very case. but we have some that won't take the case. So what do we need? A couple more? A couple <laughs> more Supreme Courts or what? I, yeah, and I think they're going to take one. But that's, I think we need one more, though. But I think Roberts is. He doesn't want to deal with this issue for, for whatever reason. I think he has to, and, he's, and he knows that, and he's going to eventually. But he doesn't want to. Whereas there's four other uh, justices there that seem very strong on the issue. That's what Ian Kavanaugh, who agreed with the dissent and went with the moot ruling, said very clearly, we have to take up a case soon in the Second Amendment. So it seems like pressure is on Roberts to do it. If he had one more justice, it, it seems to me they would do it if that justice was pro-Second Amendment, wasn't nominated by Biden, but was nominated by Trump. Right. And how do we, I mean, truly, how do we feel about the fact that so many of our rights are now having to be litigated in court? Um, because, you know, even Heller came down to one, one vote to make all the difference as to how 
our constitution continues to be interpreted. Um, to me, it's a little bit frightening that, and I think it's because we've become so polluted by politics, all, all of the huge uh, issues that it causes us to, to look for what is supposed to be an impartial uh, judge, an impartial body to say, okay, here's what the, the language intended and you know, here's how it applies today and those sorts of things. But, but just like you said, we need a pro-gun uh, judge. We need pro-gun judges. It's like, that's, that is unfortunate to me. We just need people that understand what our history was and why this document even had to be written uh, when we were fighting back tyranny on, on our lands. Right, we just need an honest judge, to put it yes. in other words. Clearly got to read the text and say what it is. Um, this isn't a new thing, though. I mean, look way back in the 19th century, the Dred Scott decision, uh, right before they kind of led to the American Civil War. Um, they look at Karamatsu during World War II, where they decided they could intern uh, Japanese uh, citizens of the United States. You know, that was a court ruling. And look at Roe v. Wade. Um, clearly, go read the text. For anyone who doesn't agree, just go read the text of that, that they made it up. Um, it, it, the courts have always done this through history, and these certain justices have on, on the courts. This is who we've always been, but we have to fight it out. There's a reason why we nominate judges after elections, through elections, um, and put people on there that, that will uphold the law, hopefully. It is a battle, but it, the Supreme Court has always been somewhat political. Hmm. I find that so... Uh, unfortunate, but I do know it is the reality of, of life. Um, so can you uh, talk to us at all about what are some of the cases that might make their way to the Supreme Court and, and why they might be important um, for how we move forward with our rights? Yeah, there, there are more than 10 now that are, are seeking cert before the court, and they might take several and group them together. Um, so it's hard to call out one. Um, but the, the basic ones on, can, can the government ban the several on, can they ban assault, so-called assault weapons? I, mean, I don't know how you define that. It's only can be defined politically. I, I live in New York where a semi-automatic shotgun with a pistol grip is an assault weapon that's banned by law. So it's a political definition. But there, there are several cases looking to adjudicate that because, wait a second, you can't ban the most popular rifle, semi-automatic rifle, a 19th century design semi-automatic is you can't just ban that. It's in common use. And it's clear the Heller decision, for example, said guns in common use by, by American citizens cannot be banned. Um, others are, are looking at the May issue laws where a government can just decide whether to give you a pistol permit or not um, based on your, your supposed need to have to have that firearm. So then you have a local official who can just decide whether you need something or don't need it. That, it's, it's supposed to be a restriction on government, not a, a positive right empowering government. Um, any honest justice should look at that and, and rule for the Constitution, for the Second Amendment. So th those are the two big key questions that hopefully will come out of these cases. Absolutely. And then in the meantime, which the timing of these two bills just boggle my mind because it, it just screams tone deafness of uh, people that, that like to write laws. Um, these are being pushed right now, while there are millions of first-time gun owners who are realizing how much they value their, their constitutional rights, but there's H.R. 5717 in the House, um, and, and I think they both go by the same name, which is probably no accident, and then in the Senate is the 3254 that I believe is authored by Elizabeth Warren, and they're both the 
Gun Violence and Community Safety Act. You know, they put these really warm, fuzzy, you know, feel-good names on them. But these actually, like you said, in New York, your uh, shotgun, uh, semi-automatic shotgun, just because it has a pistol grip or just because it's semi-automatic or just because somebody doesn't like it, it's been delineated somewhere as an assault weapon. And these bills do, they list out makes and models. I mean, it just goes on and on and on to where you, you get to the end of the list and you're like, I, I don't think that they've left any stone unturned of the guns that they want to have made illegal. And then therefore all the citizens that they're going to instantly turn into um, felons. Yeah, they figured out after the 1994 assault weapons ban that it, it didn't work. So they, they're trying to list, list everything they could possibly imagine on, onto that list so no one can get around it. Um, it. It doesn't have a chance right now in the Senate, um, luckily. You know, it depends on this next election. Um, but that could certainly pass the House. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what's so scary about it. Um, and if we lose a couple of senators, um, does then, do we then lose this right if we have Biden in the White House without Trump to, to veto it? It could be that fast. It could be almost as fast as it just happened in Canada. Mm, yes. Terrifying, really. And there's millions of, of people that own firearms that don't vote. Mm. That's the sad thing about all this. There are people that sit on the couch and don't vote, mm -hmm. and they know that this is serious. That is true. So if you're one of them listening or watching right now, we're talking to you. Get, get involved, get informed and definitely vote. And I don't know if this was a funny um, or if it was real, but I saw uh, some kind of a Twitter or a Instagram post that Black Rifle Coffee Company, you know, they make coffee, but their name is Black Rifle, that in, somewhere in one of those bills is listed you know, one of their brands of coffee. So I don't know if that's true or if they made it funny, but I, I really wouldn't be too terribly surprised. So just wrapping up, Frank, thank you so much for taking all this time with us. But how do people find, I mean, you're everywhere, so you're easy to find, but how do they uh, follow the work that you're doing uh, through the NRA First Freedoms magazine, the books? Do you have a couple there? Can you show us a couple titles? I do, of course, yeah. This is my novel, Kill Big Brother. Oh, wow. This, this yeah. is a very contemporary book. This will tell you what's, it's funny how fiction can actually tell you about more what's happening now and what's about to happen. Uh, anything else, it's called Kill Big Brother. Um, I did a book of Greg Stubbe. Conquer Anything. It's a, it's a very special book on his story. You guys should have him on if you haven't already. We have, and it's time again, because that is an awesome, awesome book. I did, I listened to the audio of that, and it was amazing. And I did a, an update for The Office, The Ultimate Man Survival Guide for the Workplace. Um, it's done very well. It has all the advice that, especially our, our young, now entering, even in this COVID-19, maybe especially in this COVID-19 time, need that, that real world and manly advice and, and how, to, how to behave. Uh, in the office place. So, and that, please join the NRA if you're not a member of the NRA. Um, you can subscribe to my magazine, America's First Freedom, where we have a bunch of other great magazines. Fantastic. I, I'm excited about the, the, the office version of the Ultimate Man's Guide. Did I say that right? Ultimate Man's Survival Guide. I love it. I'm going to definitely get that. And I have a few, uh, few dads on my list that need a couple of those books. I think it'll It'll encourage them in a, this crazy season that we're in. So, Frank, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on sooner 
than we did this time. It's been a couple of years since we've had you on and, and you always bring such uh, insightful information. So thank you so much. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Good to see you as always. All Bye. right. Bye-bye now. He is awesome. I love, I love talking to him. He is just, because uh, you can go any direction you want to with the questions just off the top of your head. And he has such a wealth of knowledge. Um, and it's, it is constitutionally based. It's factually based. It's, it's not like, a well, his, this is what I feel about this. This is what I feel about that. So I, I always love talking to Frank. Yeah, he's great. So I have a question rant. Oh, this so is, you're going to phrase it. You're, so you're like the White House press corps. It, it, I have a question, rant. but really what I have is a statement and a rant. So, all right. Well, Mr. Todd, you okay. have the floor. So we, we elect judges that are to hold our constitution, right? That's their job. Well, that, that is their job. That's yeah. what we, that's what they're, you know, I want to be a judge mm -hmm. because I want to uphold the constitution. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we have a judge let's say a judge in California or judges in California that decide that, well, you, you don't need but 10 boxes of ammo a year or whatever. You can't have AR-15s. They are directly against our constitution at that time, right? It's mm -hmm. proven. They vote against it. They say you can't. So now we have a judge that is not following the constitution. Why can't we just boot him out right then? Why can't the Supreme Court say you're ruling in favor of unconstitutional laws either stop it or get out because that's what their job is i mean if i don't do my job i i have to get out i i can't i don't have a choice okay well, so all the, so I have, I have a lot of thoughts on all well, of that and i do too and all i'm these, probably going to keep them to myself all but. these politicians you want me to pray for there's the answer boot them out you guys the only way we can do it is to vote, but we need to do it because it's not working. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of that. I mean, I know the logistics are not that simple. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, what's going on in Michigan right now and their female governor, what is her name? Whitmer, something Whitner, yeah, Whitmer. Yeah, good enough. And she is. I mean, her people are really, really not happy with her, but they probably needed to be more engaged before she was elected. Right. And so now that she is elected, what do you do? I mean, you can do a recall campaign, but that is, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of, um, you know, focus and effort. And we could avoid all of that if we would just, on the front end, be proactive in how we, now it doesn't affect Supreme Court, you know, appointments, but it, it definitely affects every elected office, every one, the dog catcher, right? The school board, all the places that people get in the system, they get their toehold on politics. And then they start moving up through the ranks right. and they start in these, these um, offices, these elected offices where you don't have to declare what your political party leanings are. And so I found when people have asked for my endorsement or, you know, that sort of thing, I always ask them, well, 
what party do you ascribe to? How do you feel about the Second Amendment? Because I'm a one-issue voter. And they're like, well, it's the dog catcher, so it doesn't matter. It's like, well, you asked me to endorse you, so it's important to me, and it does matter to me. So that, I think, starting right now today, if people would be more proactive, Dan, I think that we wouldn't have to worry about booting people out because we would have already voted in people that when they say, when they hold their hand up and they say that they are taking their oath seriously, that they're going to protect and defend our constitutional rights and our bill of rights, that they mean it, that it means something to them when they say it, because so many of them are lying. Right. Cause we have these the sheriffs go. We have these sheriffs that say, we will not enforce this law because this is unconstitutional. And guess what? They're not enforcing the law. Mm-hmm. There's a sign. There is your sign. When you have people say, we believe in the constitution, but you can't go outside your house. You can't do this. You can't do that. That is another thing, but okay. I know how you like it when I say I'm going to go back in time. Okay. So we're going to go. <laughs> That's a whole thing in our family. Don't talk right. about time travel. We're going to go back. It in never time. goes any place. We're going to go back in time. Okay. We're going to go back to, ni- I'm going back in time to 1960. Okay. I'm going to take uh, Sanders, Biden. They're Pelosi. already there. No, I'm taking them from today with their thought process today. Yeah. And we're going back to 1960. Okay. Do okay. they see themselves? Now, they're the same. Do they see their younger selves? Right? No, they're the same. <laughs> they're the same as they are okay. today. Okay. I'm taking them back to 1960. They're going to have the same mental state, same everything. And I'm taking them with me. Okay. You know what they're going to be labeled? What are they going to be labeled? Communist, communists. Yeah. They're going to be communists. Well, okay. Now they almost say it. Do you hear those words though? Right. Do you hear those words? What would they have done in 1960 to people who were communists trying to take over the United States? Okay. Hmm. I'm, I'm still on this rant. Okay. So let's go back to 1960 and where we all say, you'll never take my guns away. We're going to get, you know, California could go to the biggest gun shows everywhere. New York, you could go to gun shows. So which they thing? Grad, wait. Which thing was it? People saying you'll never take my rights, or was it the people who now are doing everything they can to take your rights, lying and saying, "Well, we're not, we're not really trying to no. take the guns." They're away. just going to take that one away, and and that's what. The, so in 1960s, that's when it started. We're going to take this kind of gun away. We're going to take this one away. And we had people like my dad that fought, said, "No, you're not taking anything away." And we fought them. We fought them, but we kept giving them a little bit. We gave them a little bit more and a little bit more until now we're in the position that we're in. We'll go back to 1960 and look at the political climate. We would have never said, "No one's going to be a communist in in government in the United States." No way is it going to happen. But what do they do? A little bit. Well, it's better for the kids if we have the regulated schools. It's better for the kids if we have food for everybody. It's better we let them feed it to us gradually until you wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm a communist now. Mm -hmm. I live in a communist country. What do you mean it's better for the kids if we have food? Well, I'm just... That is a good thing. (laughs) they, they, They always use it for the benefit of the the kids. We got to save the kids. Yeah. We got to save the fam. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. I do understand. Okay. I just and that's <laughs> that's the reason we're here today. Now, you have to wake up in the morning and say, "Not no more." 
-hmm. I'm not going to do this anymore. I am going to vote and I'm going to get my friends to vote and we're going to vote for freedom. Freedom is it. God, look at the people that died in World War II and Vietnam and Korea and all these people that, you know, we're, we don't want to do anything. And these people, we don't even want to go to, we won't vote. Yeah. But these people went overseas and fought and didn't take, you know, they couldn't take baths. They couldn't work. They worked their butts off. I'll give you, I'll give you that. And I'll also put on the table the people that fought in the revolution. Right. I mean, they completely upended their, their lives. They were deemed traitors and terrorists and they, I, I can't imagine what conversations families had and the fear that they must have had to fight through in order to decide which side they were going to go on because surely, I mean, this ragtag bunch of uh, shopkeepers and farmers, they're going to go up against, at that time, the most organized and well-trained and well-regulated, regulated meaning uh, they had all the equipment, right? They were going up against the British Army, this bunch of ragtag, you know, wet, wet behind the ears is how I'm sure the, the British government looked at us. Like, you bunch of whippersnappers. Who do you think you are? Yeah, but they all knew how to shoot. This is true. This is true. And why and did that happen? So when I see what they went through, and I will answer your question, and then I think we're so lazy, right. we're so fearful of a this virus that no disrespect to the people that have gone through it it's horrible some many have died but it has a 99% survival rate our founding fathers had no such no no such no chance at a 99% survival rate going up against the british army yet they did and now we're like well we can't go out and vote first of all i'm too lazy second of all there's a virus out there third of all let me just do it online where somebody can hack it. it. Yeah. Somebody can hack it online or I'm just going to stick it in a mailbox where the mail person maybe knows because you've got a right. Trump sign in your yard. Maybe the mail person oh, doesn't would, like that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that, would they? Or they? No, what they do is they, uh, or a good friend of mine was talking, Ken, telling me that they, they make districts, they label districts so that they can decide, you know, hey, we get rid of these votes. Yeah. Well, Okay. When the revolution happened, here's, here's where the British made the biggest mistake. They came and instantly wanted to take control. They didn't gradually do it. They took control of the United States at that time. They took control of it. Well, there was no gradual, but what we're doing now, now what's happening is they're, they're doing it gradually. They're taking control of us gradually so we don't really notice it in a way that it's threatening to us. But could you imagine tomorrow there's somebody around your house, surrounding your house to take your house away from you. You will fight for that house. You will fight for your family. Well, if, oh, we're just going to tax you a little more on this. We're going to do this and there. That is the problem. We are, we're gradually, we're the frog in, we are the frog in the boiling pot of water right now. They gradually turn the heat up. Yep. Now, when the shot heard around the world when the spark happened that that the colonists said that is that's a bridge too far oh heck no 
was at Lexington and Concord when the British Army came in and said, we need you, we're going to, whatever they said, those guns over there, we're taking those with us. Right now, this H.R. 5717 and this Senate Bill S3254, that is basically the modern version of the British Army writing in and saying, yeah, all those guns over there, those are ours. We're taking those. You can't have those. So do with that what you will, listeners and viewers. And even if they're but not successful. With I'm that, hoping I'm it, it empowers you and drives you to get informed and place an educated and informed vote in every single election. Go, I'm, I'm That sorry. is correct. But even if this bill doesn't go through, will you wake up and realize this is what they're going to try to do until they succeed? They are physically trying to take your firearms away from you. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's just when I know somebody's trying to take something away from me and they don't get it the first time and they try, try, try again, I'm just going to put myself at guard. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. We need to make sure this doesn't happen. Well, right now, the answer is to vote. That's yes. the answer today. The answer, call your politicians and make stance. No, we're not going to do it. No. All right. Why can't? No. Why can't? It's still ranting. I, why can't? I live in the United States of America. I, why can't I go to California with a loaded firearm? I have a concealed carry permit in Arizona. Why can't I go to California? What makes California different than Arizona? It's the United States of America. It really makes me angry because when I cross that border, I have to break the law and I have to live in fear until I get... Fear. Break the law or live in fear. And live in fear. If I, if I break, oh, if you, if you break, right. the law, I see what yes. you're saying. I, I live in, I live in fear, whether I take no gun or if I take a gun. Yeah. And so why is that? Why is that possible? You tell me there's not people that have the same thought process as us in, in California. So there you go. There's my rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Ugh. Don't be sorry, but we do have to wrap up. Um, Maybe I'm hungry or something. I'm just angry right now. <laughs> Passionate. We should all be more passionate about protecting our rights and not so, you know, well, somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will, you know, vote the right way or whatever. So, all right, I'm going to get you roiled again if I don't get out of here. So thank you so much to our awesome listeners. I hope that you are inspired today, that you are impassioned today to catch that that American spirit, that American can-do spirit, and fight for it. Get involved. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your kids. Talk to your family. Take these conversations, and we know you do, and we, we value you so much for that, into your spheres of influence. And, um, you know, pick them apart. Disagree with them. Whatever it takes to get you mentally engaged do it and thank you so much for that and thank you to frank miniature uh author um of so many awesome books seriously think of your think of the dads on your gift 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 list and get some of these the ultimate man's survival guide the politically incorrect guide to hunting saving the bill of rights and the future of the gun um and then what was that other one big brother i gotta get that kill big brother that one sounds amazing it's a novel form so anyway thank you to frank miniature we value 
uh, your time and your input. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. So hold on, hold on, hold on. I got an idea. I know how I can pray for all the leaders. Vote the bad leaders out. <laughs> I don't have to worry about them anymore. So that's the answer. Vote the bad leaders out. They're no longer leaders. Then I pray for all the leaders. Thank you, Cheryl. That's enlightening. <laughs> all of them, Dan. All, every single even, one of them. Even the ones you don't like. There'll be some I don't like, but still lead correctly. So yes, I will pray for every single one of them if you vote the bad ones out. And especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And all together now. <laughs>